see in the house of the Lord this evening. We got ourselves a new cordless mic. Last one was uh, choppy at a broken antenna. <clears throat> psalm chapter 35. I'm going to read the entire psalm. It is 28 verses. In this commentary, this psalm is triple in character. Three times, three times he cries out. Three times he calls to prayer. Three times he's confident in praise. Verses 1 through 10, then 11 through 18, and then 19 through 28. It kind of reminds me of the, the Lord prayed three times in the garden, saying the same words. Um, but anyway, Psalm 35. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid from me their, their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him? Yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. That was my bones, so I'll say, you know. <laughs> uh, false witnesses does rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in mine adversity they rejoice, gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me. And I knew it not, and it did tear in me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers in feasts they gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from the destructions, my darling from the lions. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against me and said, Aha, aha, our eye hath seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence. O Lord, be not far from me. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness. Let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, 
Let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. The title of this tonight, Rejoice in His Salvation. Rejoice in His Salvation, taken there from verse 9. Just look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your precious word. I pray as we look into the word of God tonight that we would be encouraged and strengthened as we and try to relate with the psalmist and the struggles that he uh, passed through and endured and come out victorious. And I pray that you help us as we struggle through life and the, the trials and afflictions that uh, come upon us, that, Father, you would sustain us and strengthen us and help us to be victorious for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, this is kind of a, it's kind of a triple in character. Uh, three times he kind of repeats himself, although he says different words, but it's kind of basically the same things. So I notice three things, and I'm going to lump them all together. First of all, the cry of pain. And we see this in verses 1, 7, 11 through 12, 15 and 16, and 19 to 21, where it says, Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Uh, so there were those that were fighting against him. Now, you know, there's no certainty of when this psalm was written or what the account was, but some think maybe possibly when he was when he was running from again when he was running from Saul. Many of the psalms are at the time when when David was running from Saul uh, during that period of time after he was only king and Saul was still alive. But you know, and so he says. Plead my cause. Uh, verse 7. For without cause have they hid from me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Verse 11. False witnesses does rise up. They laid my, to my charge things that I knew not. They reward me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. Verse 15. But in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. And then again, verse 19, Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against me and said, Aha, aha, our eye hath seen it. So here's a cry of pain. You know, he's, he has an opponent or an adversary, and, and the difficult thing is, you know, if, he, if this is during the time that he was fleeing Saul, which it probably was, these adversaries used to be his friends. They would have been his companions, his former companions, his fellow soldiers. You know, after he killed Goliath, Saul took him, and, and he sent him out with bands of soldiers, and he was a commander over a certain number of men, and you know, and he fought the battle, the Lord's battles for Saul. So he had soldiers under him that went to battle with him, and now all of a sudden, these same soldiers are part of a posse that's out to kill him. Um, that'd be difficult to take. Of course, you know, the Bible tells us we have an adversary. First Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so, you know, you know of course, you know, 
what's behind all this, of course, is satanic. Um, and so he had this adversary. He had this enemy. You know, 1 Samuel 18, 29 says, And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Now, David was not Saul's enemy. But Saul was David's enemy. David honored Saul. David served Saul. David was faithful to Saul. In fact, you remember when Saul came to the priests, you know, after David had fled and he went to Ahimelech and asked if there was a sword. And he said, the only one I have here is Goliath. And he said, I'll take that. And he said, is there any bread? And he said, well, there's the showbread. He said, well, I'll take that too. Uh, and so, you know, and he went to Ahimelech and he got that and then he fled. Of course, Doeg was there, Saul's servant. And so Saul comes to Ahimelech and this is what Ahimelech says in 1 Samuel twenty-two fourteen. Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, and who is so faithful among all the servants of David? Among all thy servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and is honorable in thine house. So David was not Saul's enemy, but Saul made him his enemy. Yeah, there may be people you try to help. You may give the gospel to, and they may regard you as an enemy. Sometimes that happens. They may be offended and avoid or try to discredit you or destroy you. Remember, remember this. It is not in their power to do that. Don't forget you're in the hand of the Almighty. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're in the hand of the Almighty. They cannot destroy you. They may try. But their trial, as Saul found out, is to be fighting against God. And so David made his cry unto the Lord. It was a cry of pain. Secondly, you'll notice the call of prayer. Again, verses 1 through 6. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chappy with the wind and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Now, don't you notice this, this first thing I want to mention here is this is not a call to God to give David the opportunity to avenge himself. David wasn't asking, Lord, let me avenge myself. Or you know, give me the means to fight back. He wasn't asking that. In fact, he had opportunity to kill Saul twice and was encouraged to do so, but he did not. So he wasn't asking for the Lord to give him the opportunity to avenge himself. We're not to avenge ourselves. When we avenge ourselves, we're putting ourselves in God's place. 
Vengeance is mine, I repay, saith the Lord. No, this is a call for the Lord to rise up in righteous judgment on his behalf. You know, it is for God, you know, he's asking God to act on who he is. Again, verse 1, plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me, fight against them that fight against me, take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Now, he's asking God to act on who he is. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, Exodus 15, 3 and 4 says the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his hosts hath he cast in the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The Lord is a man of war. And David is asking the Lord to raise up and show himself for who he is. Deuteronomy 32.41 says, If I wet my glittering sword, mine hand, and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance on mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. So David is calling for the Lord to rise up and show himself for who he is. The righteous God that fights for his cause. And he will fight for his cause. We face many adversaries. There's many examples of adversaries in the Bible. 1 Samuel 1.6 Hannah says, and her adversary also preserved her sword and make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. Her, her adversary was his other wife. Uh, in 2 Samuel 19, 22, you know, they can even be of your own friends. And David said, what have I to do with you, ye sons of Zariah? The sons of Zariah were David and, and uh, not David, uh, Joab and, and Abishai, his two leading men. And he says, what have I to do with you, you sons of Israel, that you should be this day adversaries unto me? The, the time here was when, when uh, David was coming back after the battle of, uh, uh, with um, uh, Absalom, and Shimei comes back, who cursed him on the way, comes back and apologizes, sort of, and Abishai says, let me take off his head. Let me take off his head. David says, no, you're being an adversary to me. He said, shall there any man be put to death in Israel this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this day king over Israel? I am the king. Of course, Nehemiah 4.11 says, then our adversaries said, they shall not know neither see till we come in the midst of them and slay them, and cause the work to cease. There were many adversaries, and, and they were some within the, 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 the Jews themselves. Even Eliashib, the priest, was, a, was allied with Tobiah, the Ammonite. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 16, 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. He had the Jews as adversaries, the Roman government, the silversmiths, and Alexander the coppersmith, and there were others that were adversaries. You know, there are always adversaries in the world to us. There always will be. Exodus twenty three twenty two says this. 
But if thou shalt indeed obey my his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. See, God will be an adversary to our adversaries and an enemy to our enemies. And that's what David is asking him here. He says, take hold. He's asking God to take hold of the shield. He, he didn't say, give me a shield and buckler. He's saying, God, take hold of the shield and buckler. After all, God calls himself our shield and buckler. You know, God, and God will execute righteous judgment. If you notice in verse 24, he says, Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, and let not them rejoice over me. You know, God will judge righteous judgment. You know, think about this a little bit. Saul hunted David with a spear. And in verse 3, David says to the Lord, Draw out also the spear. And Saul fell on his own sword and died. The hunting and lies about David caused confusion. You know, there were lies. Uh, And the death of Saul brought confusion to the nation. There was chaos for a while. You know, it could have been a smooth transition. That's what Jonathan wanted. But it wasn't. You know, Saul turned away from God to a witch and in darkness. If you notice in verse 6, David says, Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. And Saul turned away to darkness, to a witch, the witch at Endor. You know, the one chasing was chased in verse 5. Let them be as chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. You know, Saul was, was chased by the Philistines. They, 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 were, they were advancing against him, and so he fell upon his own swords, lest they come and, and, and uh, um, uh, thrust him through. So, you know, he, he, he became the chased. The destroyer was destroyed in verse 8. Let destruction come upon him at unawares. Let his net that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction, let him fall. You know, the evil rewarder was rewarded with evil. Verse 12, they rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. You see, God judges righteously. He gives them the reward of their deeds. Go to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. Excuse me. Verse 10. It says, And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood that dwell on them that dwell on the earth? Now go to chapter 16, verse 3. Chapter 16, verse 3. So the, so, the, so the souls of the saints are under the altar and are crying, Lord, how long are you going to avenge our blood, our blood that was shed on the earth? How long till you avenge it? Well, in chapter 16, verse 3, it says, And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. The third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers, fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Notice, 
Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And heard another angel out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are their judgments. Okay, you want blood? You love to shed blood? I'll give you some blood. I'm going to judge you with blood. Yeah, the the Lord will reward his enemies with righteous judgment. You know, Andrew Boner said this, he entitled this psalm, The Awful Utterance of the Righteous One Regarding Those That Hate Him Without a Cause. And he makes the following remarks. Quote, Throughout the endless day of eternity, the Lord Jesus shall himself speak the Father's praise and shall put marked emphasis on his righteousness. That righteousness which shall have been exhibited both in the doom of those that hated the offered Redeemer and in the salvation of those who received him. There is nothing in all this wherein his own may not fully join, especially on that day when their views of justice shall be far clearer and fuller than now. On that day, we shall be able to understand how Samuel could hew Agag in pieces and the godly host of Israel slay utterly in Canaan man, woman, and child at God's command. We shall be able not only fully to agree in the doom, let them be confounded, etc., but even sing amen, hallelujah, over the smoke of their torment. We should in some measure now be able to use every verse of this psalm and the spirit in which the judge speaks it, we feeling ourselves his assessors in judging the world. We're going to judge the world. We shall at all events be able to use it on that day when what, what is written here shall be all accomplished, unquote. You know, this is, you know, sometimes people, people say, man, that was awful mean of God to kill all those Canaanites. No, it wasn't. God is cleansing the earth of evil, of bloodshed. It was a civilization that was completely given over to wickedness, sacrificing of babies. So like America. You know, one of my teachers in Bible Institute illustrated this very, very well for us one evening. He fought in World War II. And he said, uh, one day they captured a little girl. She was 11 years old. And she whipped out a pistol and shot one of the guys. She had already been trained as SS. And he said, uh, we didn't know what to do with her. So we took her back to headquarters and asked them, what do we do with her? They said, take her out and shoot her. See, she's already been completely indoctrinated. There's no hope for her. She's given over. That was the condition of the Canaanites. They were given over to this wickedness. And that's why God said, utterly destroy them. Utterly destroy them from the earth. He said, we couldn't do that. So we put her out of the street and kicked her and sent her down the street. You see, God is going to, going to take vengeance. One day he's going to judge righteous judgment. You know, this is the day of grace. Now let's read the day. 
some of the stuff that people are doing in the name of Christianity is, is I don't know how to describe it, so vile. You know, there's a Lutheran woman, all tattooed. She preaches and preaches, talks in a tank top. And some of the most wicked and vile stuff calls herself a Christian. Mocks purity and holiness. Makes a mockery of it. You know, we had to pray that God would judge her. God would judge her. You know, we are not to take vengeance, but we should pray for the Lord to judge between us and our enemies because they're his enemies. Well, past, I remember the reading a book. There's a book out. It's dated now. It's from like quite a few years ago. But there was a, it was called Tortured for His Faith. I don't know if any of you ever read it. It was a pastor in USSR who was tortured for his faith. He was fine. He spent 13 years and I think six months in prison. He was a, uh, I think it was, a, it was a, some kind of Protestant denomination. He was a pastor of a very large church. But anyway, he was finally released from prison. And some of his people said, that he should come to America and tell of the persecution in the SSR. He said, they'll never let me out of this country. They said, well, we'll pray for it. Go down to the consulate and ask permission to leave. He said, okay. So he went down to the consulate, and the consulate said, over my dead body. So he went back and told church people. The church people said, okay. Okay, that's the way he wants it. And guess what? He's removed. And he come to America. You know, what did Elijah pray for? You, know, you ever think about what did Elijah pray for? He prayed for God to judge Israel, Ahab, and Jezebel. Three and a half years of no rain. Three and a half, can you imagine three and a half years of no rain? Now, he suffered with it like everyone else. So, but this was, again, this is a, this was a prayer asking God to take vengeance on his enemies. To show himself for who he is. The righteous, holy God. So he was calling on the Lord to show himself. It was also a call of assurance. Notice verses 2 and 3. It says, Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Then notice this phrase. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. So he's asking God to tell him, That he will deliver him. Say that you are my salvation. That you are my deliverance. When you face a trial. Do you always face face it with great boldness. Never doubting. Never having any second thoughts. You know, those things, those things tend to unsettle us, don't, do they not? 
And, and so he's asking the Lord to give him some assurance. In verse 17, again, he says, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. Now, saying the, the word darling, I looked up that word. Uh, it means the only one, that which is most dear. It speaks of a precious life. So he's asking the Lord to undertake for his life, uh, for his precious life. Uh, God sees life as precious. And, and so he's asking the Lord to be, you know, to, to, to show himself on his behalf, to be his, give some assurance that he is his shield and his buckler. In Psalm 18, he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and horn of my salvation and my high tower. And again, in verse 27 of Psalm 18, he says, For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but will bring down high looks. And again, in verse 30, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. So he says, thou art. So here, Lord, take hold of the buckler. You know, I think he's crying out, Lord, I need some assurance that you're going to act. Show yourself. You know, this was an unexpected, unexpected adversary. You know, David faced adversaries before. I mean, when he was a shepherd. But those are things he expected, a lion and a bear. You don't, expect, you don't really expect adversaries to be your friends. But sometimes they are. They had been his companions. And so, you know, his life was hanging like a thread on the edge of a precipice, if you will, about to be destroyed. And so he's, he's calling on the Lord for assurance. And, and, and you know, when we, we, we need to call on the Lord. Jeremiah 33, 3, Jeremiah says, call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know, it wasn't just a few people that thought his life, sought his life. It was the king and all that followed him. You know, two times in 1 Samuel, it says Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. Twice. And again, all this was based on false charges things that David said I knew not I never even thought of did David David ever think of sedition against Saul but that's what he's accused of But we need, to, we need to trust God. If you notice in verse 13, 14, it says, But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fatness, fasting. My prayer returned unto mine own bosom. I behaved myself as though I had been my, they had been my friend or my brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. So these were all false charges. But we need to trust God. In times like these, verse 24 and 25 says, Judge me, O Lord my God, according to thy righteousness, let not, and let them not rejoice over, my, over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. No, we need to trust in the Lord and ask God to show himself, which he did.
you know, Dave, God did intervene for David. He sent the Philistines to judge Saul and his army. So we see a, a cry of pain. We see a, a call of prayer. Once you notice a third thing, the conf, confident, he was confident to praise the Lord. Verses 9 and 10 and in verse 18. Again he says, And my soul, notice, shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones. Now, if I understand English correctly, when it says shall, is that past, present, or future? I guess it could be present or future. You know, but he's going to do it regardless. He's going to rejoice in the Lord, who is his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivereth the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. And again in verse 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. So in his praise, notice this, he turns away from his enemies. There's no, thought, there's no talk of his enemies. He's, his praise is to the Lord. He doesn't praise that his enemy was destroyed. There's no praise. Thank you, Lord, you destroyed my enemy. He didn't say that. He just thanks the Lord and praises the Lord that he delivered him. He did not glory in the destruction of his enemies but in the salvation of God. In fact, when David heard of Saul's death in 2 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says he rent his clothes and mourned and wept. And he sang a song about, wrote a song about them. You know, Proverbs 24, 17, and 18 says this, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. Let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it and it displease him and he turned away his wrath from him. You see, God, God doesn't take pleasure in any human being falling or being destroyed. He doesn't take pleasure in it. But he will act in righteous judgment if need be. And he will judge those who reject him. And again, in righteous judgment. And we see this in other places. In Ezekiel 18, 32, says, For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. I don't have any pleasure in you going to hell. There's no pleasure in me, in me sending you to hell. Turn and live. Ezekiel 33, 11, Say unto them as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And so his praise is lifted to the Lord who, who wrought his salvation or gave him deliverance, but he does not rejoice that his enemy was destroyed. You know, Saul's opposition to God cost him his life and his son's lives. You 
And that opposition to God was carried out against David. Because it was God's plan for David to be the king. But David did not rejoice in the perishing of Saul. But he did rejoice in the fact that God vindicated himself. By the way, God, that's what God was doing. He's vindicating himself. When God brings judgment on our enemies, he is vindicating himself. Because we are his children. You know, how does how do you how would you as a parent vindicate your children? You take action. That's what God does. And David, I want you to notice, David rejoices in the Lord. With his whole being. In Psalm 10 he says. All my bones shall say. Lord who is like unto thee. Which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him. Yea the poor and the needy. For him that spoileth him. You know David. But David at this, this juncture in his life. David was a poor man. He had nothing. But the clothes on the back. And the sword that he carried. He lived in the wilderness. And yet. You know he, he was fleeing. Uh, for his life, and yet the Lord delivered him. And with his whole being, he said, I'm going to say, who is like unto thee, O Lord? Verse 27, 28 again, he says, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant." And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. You know, we have been delivered. We have been delivered from death and hell. And we have reason. We have reason to magnify the Lord. To praise him all the day long. Even in the midst of our trials. We have reason. And we should magnify him. And glorify him. And rejoice. In his blessings. To him. To us. Rejoice in his salvation. Which he has wrought. Uh, for us. So. May we rejoice in him. While we go through. Trials and tests. We make our cry unto him. And call unto him. And ask him to show himself. And to judge. And act. who he, As who he is. For our righteous cause. But we ought to praise him. For his salvation. Which he has wrought. For us. Might God help us to appreciate and to praise him for his goodness and his blessings to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive from your word and the struggles that David and other men in the word of God went through. 
I pray that you'd help us in the trials and afflictions of life not to allow those afflictions to overcome us but to rest in your promises, to trust you, to make our cry unto thee, to call unto you and, so, and, and seek your face and petition your help and your grace that is sufficient and rejoice in your salvation, your goodness to us. And we'll thank you and praise you for what we do pray, pray in Jesus' name. Amen.